This is the Kaya Girls Rock Podcast. I literally packed my bag at the same time that I sat down and I wrote my resignation letter and I handed it in with immediate effect because I just got paid. And that's how I started the business. Yeah. My parents were very taken aback at the fact that I would date outside of my race. Your spikes are, Your spikes super are so high. high. The lows are low, low, low. How long do they last? Exactly. I don't know. I just want you to actually tell people, Farah, I want you to tell people how you started your business. Because I think that's very important. Like for my particular audience, there's a lot of single moms. There's a lot of people that have lost their jobs. A lot of people that are trying to start over sure. at the moment. And they just need that motivation to understand that somebody as successful as you actually started from nothing. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very... <sighs> I'm very grateful for where I am today. And I think the one thing that has definitely kept me sort of relevant in my field and, and what I do is one thing I learned from artists in my very early days of my career was how to reimagine yourself. So just reinventing. And I mean, one of the best opportun- or one of the best examples of that, I always use Madonna. You know, because if you look at how she has evolved and changed from the 80s to now. I just like that her husbands are always younger than she I know, her boyfriend. She's like <laughs> almost 70, her boyfriend's like 20-something. But anyway, so it's it's one of those things. So, I mean, I originally started my business, um, and I was just tired of working for a boss, really. I just wanted the opportunity to have my own business and run it the way I wanted to. And also, all the ideas that I kept wanting to implement that these people, like the bosses I had, were just not coming to the party with, I guess. Um, So I decided, no, I'm going to start this business. But no one would give me a loan. Like, I went to all the banks. I went to everywhere I could find that someone would give me money to start this business. And no one would give me money. Um... And then I just decided, you know what, because I was also young at the time. So I think, you know, one thing about being younger is you have less of a fear of failing. Yeah. And you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. You have so much less to lose than when you get older. So I think you become a little bit more more fearful and imposter syndrome can set in a little bit when you're older. But when you're much younger, you have this thing of, I can do anything. I don't, you know. And, and that was really it. My daughter was had just turned three years old. I was... I was tired of earning this little... I was I was literally earning 12,000 rand a month and I had to pay my car, my rent, mm-hmm. look after my daughter and everything on that. And, you know, when you have to do that and you're like me that likes luxury, like, and I like luxury nice things. things. I mm-hmm. like nice things. Like, mm-hmm. I literally work for nice things because that's what I like and I'm very unashamed about it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I want. And... I was working and, and doing that, and I, I really had no money left at the end of the month. There was too much month left at the end of my money. Basically. Yeah, jeez. And, and that wasn't working for me. So I decided, okay, um, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to start my own business because where I was working, all the ideas I'd come up with, you know, they just say, no, that's not going to work, or no, we can't do this. I was just like, I'll do this for myself. However, I couldn't get money to start the business, so I took the last thousand rand that I could spare when I got my paycheck. And I just said, I need, and just like a week or two before that, I had registered African Star Communications. And I remember coming into work one day, and I was already late for work because I hated the job. And I came in and I sat down and it was payday. And I logged in to my email and then I logged into my Gmail and I remember seeing my paperwork from Cipro come through. 
I literally packed my bag at that same time that I sat down and I wrote my resignation letter and I handed it in with immediate effect because I just got paid. So I was like, I'm not waiting another month here. Yeah. I, like, I literally have a thousand rand, but that's what I'm going to work with. And with that thousand rand, I paid Cipro, which was 589 rand. And then I got these really bad crappy business cards made but they were mine you know they were my business cards yeah. and, and, and that's all that rand for 700 they were like you know i got such a good deal on them they were like nothing and and that's how i started the business with that thousand rand and three weeks in i got very very lucky and that's what made me realize that networking is everything I had a friend who had a friend who worked at AIG. AIG at the time was sponsors for Manchester United. AIG were bringing Manchester United over that year to do the Vodacom Challenge. I remember that. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. But they wanted to do their own little charity day, like a CSI day, and they needed someone to do it. So my friend told me about this and I went and I pitched at AIG and I was the only woman that pitched for that account. How awesome was that? And I remember getting there and at that time, you know, when you used to pitch, they used to do like the pitch, the quick pitches and they just used to have everybody like wait outside and then you'd come in, you'd pitch, you'd leave, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember waiting and I, I walked in and there's just men. There's no woman. There's, I'm the only girl. And eventually it was my turn to pitch and I go in and I pitched my idea of what I wanted to do and told them, I mean, this is 2008 and told them it's going to cost you 10,000 rand. 10,000 rand in 2008 was a lot of money, guys. Mm. And I just decided, okay, I'm just going to show them what I'm going to do. And this guy was like, I really love this idea. He gets up, he walks out the room, he tells everybody outside, it's okay, we found what we wanted. You guys, thanks so much for coming. And then they hired me. Oh, dope. And because it was literally like a week away from having to pay rent and, you know, everything, I was like so excited because I'd literally made in one job what I usually make in a month. But then... After I did that one job, I didn't get more work. See, that's the crazy thing yeah. about this thing. It's like your spikes are, your spikes super are so high, high again, the lows are low, low, low. low. Like, how long do they last? Exactly. Like, you don't know. And then I didn't have any money. And uh, then you know what happened? <laughs> they kicked me out of my house for non payment of rent. You know, I was so broke. You know, some people, like other people, they get like their electricity turned off. They came to my house. They took the box out of the house. That's how much money I owed them in electricity. Because I just, I didn't have the money. I was really struggling. And I didn't tell anyone that I was struggling. They had known I'd started this business. And I was really, like, trying to make my savings work and whatever. And then eventually, I couldn't anymore. And we got kicked out of the house. And I was living in my car for a little bit with Layla. And then eventually I told Layla's dad, so Layla's my daughter, and I just told her dad, and her dad was like, why didn't you tell me? Because he's, you know, quite a wealthy man. So he was very upset that I didn't come to him. But also, at that time, I was also young, and I had pride, you know. I didn't want anybody's help. I didn't want money. I didn't want anything. And, And one of the biggest lessons that taught me was that, you know, if you don't ask for help in any situation, you're not going to get help. 
my last trip to Cape Town, I actually managed to stay at my favorite Cape Town hotel, and that was Island Club Hotel and Apartments. They are so cool. I mean, the rooms are modern, they're beautiful, it's got access to Canal Walk, and the staff is absolutely amazing. The GM is the nicest guy I have ever come across, and he makes sure that his staff looks after you to every single level that you can possibly imagine. Their website is www.islandclubhotel.co.za. They have amazing packages, they have amazing specials, so definitely something to look into. And, and one of the biggest lessons that taught me was that, you know, if you don't ask for help in any situation, you're not going to get help. Also, if you if you don't, I mean, there's so many lessons from that. Oh, yeah. Like, if people don't know about you, if you don't take the risk, if you don't actually put yourself out there, nobody knows about you, nobody can support you. Yeah. Exactly. It's the same like if you have a problem and you say nothing about it, nobody can but help you. But nobody's going to help you. So, yeah. so, I mean, I told him, he helped me, I got back on my feet, and as soon as... I didn't have to worry about where we were living and that kind of thing because he was helping me out paying rent and everything else. Um, I was able to concentrate on my business. And that's when it started taking off mm-hmm. because I was just able to have more mind space to be creative without worrying about what my child was going to eat that night. Um, and, and that was the biggest thing for me because one thing I know is that the reason I work the way I do is because I know I'm never going back there. Like as much as you'll always remember. Yeah, that. I'll always I, I, remember I, that. I like that will be my single person that, right. has yeah. that, that that rock bottom yeah. Defo- defining yeah. moment. Yeah, and that it. was and that was it for me. So it's like yeah. I'm definitely, you know, getting out of the situation, and I'll never get back in that situation. I mean, even if I lost everything today, I'll go. I will clean toilets. I mean, my first job ever was cleaning hotel rooms, and I used to clean the front toilets of the reception. That was my duty to clean both the men's and women's toilets. I scrap toilets. Yeah. You know, I I've made beds. I've I don't care People about that stuff. People who slept in their cars they have, yeah, have the, become things. Yeah. Like, like I, everyone I, is I, like, I, I sleep in my car. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> Like There's people that have, that have always won the jackpot at Sun City. It was always their last three rings. Right? It was always <laughs> their last three rings. And they were like, that, like yeah, yeah, just Lord. take it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that, that was such a defining moment for me. And, and I really built my business up from there. And I was also very, I was also very lucky that I built a lot of respect in my industry very quickly. Because I had all these ideas. The industry had never seen a publicist like me. And I can confidently say that because... I've had many people come up to me and be like, I, I, I studied this because of you. I mean, at Vitz uh, University, I don't know if they still have it, but part of their curriculum for PR in their actual PR book, there's a case study of me. Oh, and snap. That, that was sure. like, nice. you know, and especially coming from a colored community, that's such yeah. a big thing for us because we have... We have all these huge role models in, in, in our communities that don't want to be role models. So the minute they make money, they want to keep it quiet because they don't want people to ask them for money. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, you know that's how we are. move away. The, yeah, that's when they, they like, move out of the hood, they move away, they don't keep in touch with people. They change their phone number. They change their phone numbers. <laughs> they, don't, they don't contribute they don't back into the community. And you know what? I do get it. I understand. There's certain it's difficulties that also it is. come it comes with, with it. it. It's also a never-ending, like pool of people that you're supposed to help out constantly and I suppose they don't want that kind of 
pressure because you can help out 10 but then you need 50 or 100 because there's always someone who's like yo can you do this can you do that so they like that, oh, that, I'm, yeah. no, I'm forever helping people and to my detriment sometimes but yeah. I mean the fact nice. of the matter is that I I think that's what gives me joy it's yeah. like I've hit that rock bottom I've been there I've been mm. where I didn't have anybody I could phone yeah. where eventually you're phoning your mother and your mother's like how do I not know that you guys are in such a bad situation yeah. but um, so because Again, sometimes you want to do it yourself. I have the same problem. Know? No, yeah. I don't do ourselves. We have pride. You know what I mean? I don't want to admit that I was wrong. Yeah. I don't want to admit that somebody actually did me in and I was stupid enough to actually fall for the scam. Yeah. So, you know, I, I now need to feed my children and, and there's only so much I can do. Can I ask you a question? Mm. Um, do you think the fact that you grew up outside South Africa, you were in Belgium, you you grew up in England, you came I here... I don't even know what you're going to ask me, but yes. <laughs> but you came here with a different mindset mm-hmm. almost. Do you think it gave you like yes. the chutzpah to get out there, leave yes. your job, get going? Yes. And you know why? I'll Confidence. give you an example. I remember when we first, first moved, we lived in... We just moved to Belgium. I was 10 years old. I had been... Living in South Africa where, you know, it was white, ba- white, black, colored, and Indian. Mm. That's all we knew. Mm. We knew you from the those race that groups. you are, you know, yeah. those groups. And we never seen white people live in our areas. Mm. I mean, you had colored areas, black areas, Indian areas. Or like, we never mixed. Yeah. Like, hardly ever. I remember my very first day in Belgium. Mm. I will never forget this. I seen a black man walking down the street with a white woman mm. holding hands and then they kissed. Mm. I pulled my dad and I'm like, <laughs> tell him to stop it. Crime. They're going to get into trouble. <laughs> and I mean, my parents had to then explain to me what apartheid was. Yeah. Because they never explained it to me when we lived here. Yeah. Because it was just normal. So to be 10 years old, yeah. you now realize apartheid is just in your country. Yeah. Race is a thing yeah. in your country. Yeah. Everywhere else is pretty much okay. Your, your worldview is really like expanding. Your worldview completely. And then I came back to South Africa for my very first visit back after we moved. And it was the hardest thing for me ever, trying to relate to the same cousins I couldn't live without when we moved. I then started dating as I got older black men mm. colored community just yeah. at that time you just yeah, didn't it was wild. It was you know it was wild like now you just it's didn't. fine now it's it was like, okay yeah. if you were a colored woman so to, to, yeah. to date a white man yeah but it was never okay to date so yeah. you need to understand the first man I ever brought home was black oh my god like you guys who don't yeah. understand like my parents were very taken aback at the fact that yeah, I I would date outside of my race, but I think eventually as we got older, because I've got two younger brothers, and I think eventually, um, and and the the rest of my siblings are older than me, and there's six of us. But I think from me, my parents realized that the last three of us were very different because we had different opportunities. So yes, it was very different, but um, it was also detrimental to me and my culture. Yeah. There's a lot of colored culture I miss out on mm-hmm. and a lot of things that I don't understand. 
How about you can catch up? It's not no, definitely. But I, I think it was it was hard for me though because my time, family right? couldn't. Coming back when I moved back here, it was very hard f- for my family to relate to me and me to relate to them. It's very weird, you know. Like, um, so I think it's obviously the normal thing to do is to start off in your colored neighborhood, work your way up, and move out. I think it's always a bit hard to have gone already and then come, come back. back come to back. Op- we used to be. Oh man, we were so mean at school. I remember being very mean in primary school. This is the one thing I remember myself being mean out of my whole life of being a comedian. Just one time. There was this guy, right? So in, in, in East London, where I'm from, you have your colored schools, then you have your Model C schools or your white schools, right? And one of the biggest white schools in East London or Model C schools was Selborne College. And then our school was a little primary school, a little colored school called Puffle Flats Primary School. Now, this guy... He was originally at Selborne, but I don't know what happened. Either his behavior was bad there, or his parents must have fallen into financial difficulty, or whatever the case may be. But he did he did the opposite, where he went from that school and came to the, the color school. school. Then he was also a, that's quite an adjustment. He also did a weird thing where on the first day of school he didn't yet have his uniform for the school, so he wore his. <laughs> <laughs> Model C, that oh. my couldn't have been a very oh good thing. You guys are mean to me, like, man. Oh my you goodness. guys were mean. I can we used tell. to just do all sorts of things. Like, so we used to play in a tree, like a tree <laughs> house. We used to play in like touch, touch. You touch each other, and you, you must stay in the tree. Don't get out the tree, and we chase you around. <laughs> so we take him around and be like, "Yo, man, so this is the tree where we play. We know you're not used to it. You're used to a jungle gym with the sand at the bottom. Where if you fall, it's a soft landing. But oh here, my if you god, fall, bro, you guys rocks. were mean. <laughs> there's rocks here, so please don't do Kids that. Are horrible, there's no though. medical aid at the school. <laughs> Not calling your parents. <laughs> the phones don't work. The phones don't work. So please, just don't go too high. We even told him on day one, you can only play until this level. Please don't come with us to you the. You guys t- are mean. <laughs> you guys are mean.